We're focusing so much on other people's puzzle piece. Like, what do you care about? Why don't you care about this? Why aren't you doing this? You know, that we're not focusing enough on our own puzzle piece. And all we can give to the world is our own aligned puzzle piece. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. My guest today is Peta Kelly. When we hopped into this interview, I said to her, I'm kind of over the formal interview style. (laughs) I need a break. I'm disenchanted. Can we just chat, have a real conversation? And that's what we did. You will see. You will hear. I could go on and on about Peta's accomplishments and just how rad she is, but I think it's important you just hear for yourself. She's done the things, she's checked the boxes. What I appreciate most about PETA is that she's just as real as it gets. Hands down, call it like it is, this chick is real. And in the spirit of just kind of humble bragging for a friend, PETA did go to college. She was on her way to get her PhD, decided that wasn't the route she wanted to go toward the very end. She had accumulated a lot of years of education Ended up getting a job, becoming a millionaire in her 20s, retiring her mom, who is a single mom as a school teacher. She has done some really cool things in her life, but what I appreciate most is she's just real. She calls it like it is. If you're not following her on Instagram yet, please do. Not only is it comical, it's therapeutic. She's at PetaJean underscore. And yeah, here's, here's our chat. Over the last decade as an entrepreneur, I've learned that the lines between work and life are often blurred. Rather than fighting it, I embrace this new way of working and the flexibility it has given me. It has enhanced my quality of life. Now, Staples is encouraging us to do the same with the launch of their Staples Work Life magazine. Let me tell you, I dig this magazine. It's my new bathtub and airplane reading material. The quarterly Staples Work-Life magazine features original content from entrepreneurs who offer tips on things like creative problem-solving, strengthening your leadership skills, overcoming workplace obstacles, and working smarter, not harder. To subscribe today, head to staplesworklifemag.com.
Nikita, welcome to the show. I am excited to have you on. And in the spirit of why not now, let's hop in. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you had to ask yourself, why not now? Yeah. Now I'm thinking, which one? There was (laughs) when I deferred my PhD. There was when I, we decided to I mean, for our first child, we we decided, and for our second child, we were like, it's funny because I was thinking books and I was thinking children. And for me, both my books and both my children happen at the same time. So my (laughs) first pregnancy was also a pregnancy with a book. And now I'm in my second pregnancy and I'm also pregnant with a book. So it's funny. But with my first um, pregnancy, it was... I mean, it it was one of those times where we said, are we we ready? And I mean, the... And I just got off the phone to a friend who is like, she's been having those fears about, am I ready to be a mom? What's it going to do to my career? Is my business going to go backwards? All of those things. And I just said to her, you know, it's such a, it's such a co-conception between the three of you. And it just, it just always adds onto everything. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to take from anything. And I think when we were at the point where we were being a yes to our co-conception, that was one of the questions I was asking, like, why not? now why why not now i feel like the timing's always perfect and you'll know that with your experience with lincoln like regardless of our plans the timing's always perfect with a child because mm-hmm. it's such a it's such a co-conception it's not a business decision it's a it's a co-conception that's always perfectly timed so that was the answer to my question why not now but at, when i was pregnant with soul i had to ask myself that again with my first book because i tried to write that book three or four times before, and it wasn't the time. If I had to ask myself, why not now? The answer was, because it's not now. It's just not the time. And I think sometimes it isn't the time. And I was being what my friend Alyssa Romeo calls clock blocked in terms of mm-hmm. I was trying to write it when I didn't I didn't have all the information. I didn't have all the embodiment. I wasn't ready. It wasn't, again, it wasn't a co- the, the time for the co-conception wasn't right between me and the book. And it was only when I had soul, my first child, in my womb, was it the time to write that first book. So for me, that first book, when I asked why not now, I got a yes because I was pregnant and that and it all lined up. And, and that was when I had the clarity of, well, it's now because firstly, you're going to have a child. So do you want to wait another two years? Because, you know, get it done now while you've got no children running around and your baby is in your womb and not outside. <laughs> but secondly, because... This information is, it's information that doesn't belong to you anymore. And you're about to bring a child into this world. And if we all waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited until until it felt completely comfortable, until we had no doubts, no fears, you know, all of that, then there'd be no one making anything. So not only did the timing line up, but I had... I had the clarity I needed when I was I became pregnant. Exact same thing happened with this pregnancy, you know. I was I'm not doing this book until next year. I'm just I'm doing as little as possible. I'm going to spend time with my toddler and I'm going to enjoy this pregnancy. And then one day this second book was like, "No, no, no. I want you to do it now." Mm. Effortlessly, quickly, print it in a very easy, simple way. Don't go through the whole book business. Limited edition, small batch and do it now. because, And the reason why not now, because this baby doesn't want to share a womb with this book. Like both babies <laughs> have to share a womb with a book and they and this baby wants the book out so they can have the womb to itself. It's not always the right time, but when it lands, and to, for me, 
the babies have been like such a clarity giver and like a green light, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, oh gosh, it's, it's interesting because it's like the book is the boss, the baby's the boss, but I've heard Stephen King say that before about writing and I love his book called On Writing and he's just like, I'm of service to this creation that's coming out of me. I'm not the boss. You know, I kind of have to get out of the way and it sounds like you're experiencing that as well. And I, I had remembered you saying that about your first pregnancy and how you that was the book was just like coming. And so you jammed it out and or it flowed out really. And I can see how now having just gone through the experience with Lincoln, I started writing quite a bit when he was in the NICU. And I was speaking with my literary agent and she's like, hold up, you're still in it. And I'm like, but this is when I'm getting such clarity, right? And things are just, I got to get this out on paper. And I think sometimes we toggle between, are we still in it? Should we be writing about it? Should we wait? And I actually asked Martha Beck when she came on the show, how do you know when it's in alignment to to just go after it and write when you're through it and or in a place where you can honor what what has happened or what what you know to be true? And she said... um, when you can, you're never going to be fully through anything. Like you're always in it. But when you can look back at it and not have any resentment, and that sounds like such a strong word because it doesn't have to be negative. But when you feel neutral and and from a place of of like vitamins versus medicine, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and I was like, interesting. So, so. I'm curious for you, like when you say clock block, which is such an interesting term because I. I think we do that to ourselves all the time. Can you explain if someone's listening, like what that really means as far as if there's a project on your calendar, but you're just not, it's not coming. Or if you are, you know, something isn't scheduled, but it's totally coming. Like, can you kind of really put that into a literal? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can put it down to something as simple as a post, as an Instagram post. Like you have mm-hmm. a photo, you have an idea, you're trying to write it and it's just not there. And then two days later, something happens and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was trying to write this post on Monday when I needed what happened on Wednesday to be able to articulate my point. These ideas and books and even posts, like I feel they have their own being and their own energy a lot of the time and they don't run on human time. We run on human time. And so sometimes we have to communicate with our business or our books. And this sounds a bit woo-woo, but you know, it's, they don't have any idea of the human restraints and human times that we have. And so I think sometimes we get so used to scheduling our own things and people always say, sit down and write at this time. And I found while breastfeeding with soul, I actually had to say to my crazy ideas, like, Hey, can you come at nine between nine and 11 tomorrow and not at 3am, you know, try and like form a relationship with them and try and just like you said, the books, the boss, try and form a relationship with these ideas and words and whatever that wanted to come through so that we were kind of fusing together the two. And I think we feel clock blocked when we, when it's all on our time and we don't acknowledge that the the entity or the idea or the book or the business also has a time and the same goes vice versa. Then the idea in the book sometimes doesn't realize that, hey, I've got a child with me all day today. Maybe I can't write at 11 o'clock and you're sending me all these amazing <laughs> ideas and I've like got a baby on the boob point of the hand. So it's just about be, realizing that there are two different times at play, I think. And, you know, for me, I needed the urgency in my 
I needed I needed the fire. I needed the baby in my womb because that gave me the holy shit. I care about this world so much more than I thought because now I have a baby in my womb. So mm. I, I was trying to ride it on my time, but life had more to give me so that I could be in the space to to write it. And with this second book, I again I was trying to put it on my time. Well, books t- usually take this long, and then I'll have to edit and this and that, and so that so my baby's due at the end of this year. I don't I don't want to have that experience where I'm about to give birth because what, what I do when I give birth is I go completely off. The month before I go off emails, I don't, I just get in my zone. So I, I was like, can I really do it in, the, in like three months and have it written and given to my community in that time? I had to also lean into what did the book want to be? And now mm. this book that I'm putting together, it's like a, it isn't going through an editing process, which is shit scary for me. But it's also like relieving. All of, <laughs> it's like, oh, it yeah, refreshing. It, it is, but it's funny because today I was trying to proof it and I was like, holy shit, like the, the tone hasn't been edited, so it's really fiery. But I feel that that's my challenge is that this book wants to give people permission that a raw essay or a raw piece that was written in the moment it's mm-hmm. like an account and it's a it's a pure point in time that you can't if you edit it you're taking the purity out of it in some way some some things mm-hmm. you need to edit and some things you ruin it when you edit it and so with this book it wasn't meant to be done like earth is hiring was done it was asking me i want you to gather all of the all of the things you wrote in moments of anger and joy and relief over the year over the last 2 years on this particular topic and i want you to put them in so it's like a scrapbook of these poems and pieces and little bits that i wrote as well as like really fiery essay, essays that i i wouldn't publish because they are really fiery and then my own illustrations so it's it's something that the potency is there, but it's really freaking scary because people are going to not only see like the nice sounding words, but they're going to get a real look inside my ego as well, you know, because mm. there's there's sentences and stuff in there where I'm like, holy shit, like my editor would definitely tell me to take that out. Um, <laughs> oh, and I'm not it. allowing myself to do that. So it's really scary, but it's also exactly what it wants to be. And the message for me, even if people didn't read the words, it's that sometimes things, they don't have to be like we think they need to be. Like what if this book could be written in a month and then published in a limited edition, really high quality way and released and not go through the whole marketing thing like just release Mm -hmm. it in a really beautiful small batch way and that's what I'm doing with this book because that's what it wants to be and and my children's book they're both coming out a similar time and not going through that whole thing so I think it's also we have to remove our idea of how it has to go and how it goes for other people and using the book business as an example is it's such a long thing if you go with a publisher and that's why I didn't with Earth is Hiring because I'm like I'm not going to write this book and then talk about it 18 months later. It's boring for me then. Like I need to write it and talk about it now and then move on. Like that's how I work. So I think sometimes we're also clock blocked because we're making things harder or longer or we're, we're borrowing a blueprint that perhaps doesn't work for the piece of art that we are meant to create. And sometimes I feel like the creative process is wanting to be easier, perhaps mm. more vulnerable, but mm-hmm. easier and and smoother than we let ourselves think it can be. And so there's so many elements to clock blocking, but that's one in my recent life is that I was like, I could clock block myself by being like, no, there's not enough time for this book. And then this book was like, 
you've already written me, put me together, draw some pictures and give it to your people and take all the bullshit out of it. And no, you don't have to do marketing. It doesn't even have to touch Amazon. Just print it in the high quality you want, sell it for the price you want and do 500 copies to begin before you have your baby and then revisit it next year. And that's as simple as I'm letting it be. <laughs> it's fucking good. scary. I'm telling you. Oh, good for you though. I bet I bet it's it's like you can feel the energy as you're speaking. What will happen energetically as you release this book? Because just what you mentioned about the raw, fiery, just things in you, in a way, that's making space for the next experience and phase in life, you know, becoming a mother again. And it's just, it's <laughs> it's pretty refreshing to hear you talk through this process because it can be so daunting and structured and inorganic and and just icky. I think the book writing process can be really difficult. And so I appreciate your ability to just be like, what if this looked differently? What if we just screw the template and do it on your own time frame? The publisher would tell you you need a year. That fire isn't going to even want to be lit in a year, right? It's like, whatever. No. <laughs> so. And then I'm going to talk about something else next year. And I know that's how I work. Right. You know, I think a lot of people work that way. And that's why I haven't gone with the publisher at all. And I can't because their blueprint doesn't work with how I'm designed. And yep. I think we have to just let ourselves really do it differently and also realize that how, like, we're, we're, we're so used to filtered photos and edited, we're, we're so used to it, and there's such a place for, like, that real effort when it comes to creativity. But for me, I I know that my words that reach my audience the, the quickest and the hardest and the best are the ones that I write and I post on Instagram with no one else ever checking it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's my raw words. So why not make a book of that kind of writing? And and then also it's going to be even more vulnerable because it is parts of me that they wouldn't get if my editor touched it because mm-hmm. she would, you know, she's mm-hmm. freaking amazing, but she would be mindful to say, hey, Peter, this sounds a bit, yeah. feisty or angry or and so it's it's almost like this book is trying to gift me as well something which mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. let yourself be seen in a whole new way where perhaps people are going to be more triggered by this point or you are going to be seen in the parts of you that are really wounded still or you know but they're still so ripe for me to write now the message is ripe for me now and next year i can't promise that it is going to be so will i just let this book die in google drive like i like i have another couple of books that are still <laughs> sitting in there or, or will i honor this book and and let it come out looking you know diff, just letting it be and also letting the process and letting the rawness be a gift to my community and permission for them to know that it, it just doesn't have to look like that. And you don't have to want to be a New York Times bestselling author. Like this is also about the process you're going through to make the book or to make the thing. And for me, once I've gifted this book to them, that's when it becomes their journey. But now it's my journey. And mm-hmm. and, and I want to I enjoy the process. I want to learn something new. I want to do it in a different way. I want to also do it in a way that suits me as a mom. You know, I don't want to – this got to feel good for me. Like the book is the boss, but I'm also the human that is going to sit down and write it. So we've both got to be working together here. And I think that we've got to take that power back while also respecting the energy and just kind of 
the entity, I mean, and just forming a relationship with it and, and breaking all the fucking rules. I, I just yep. think this is the, the book, this is all the creativity, all of it is so much, it's so broken and it's killing people's creativity and mm-hmm. everyone is starting to write and sound like each other and it's like, oh, we're all human. If, if you're going to read my book and read like all these things that, because Earth is Hiring is, I wrote the whole thing and it was mildly edited, but in terms of, hey, Peter, you repeated yourself here, cut it out, that kind of editing. But this one is just, (laughs) people are going to be like, fuck, you were angry that day. Mm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I was, and I was hurt. And you get to read about that and you literally get to taste what it was like for me that day. And if somebody combed through it and made it sound more palatable for you, then you would be getting the words, but not the energy really. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit Poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about Poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batiste. That's Why Not Now episode 28. Poopery is also available at Target. I appreciate how true you are to the process too and aware of what you need to be doing in order to stay true. I mean, that's that's a whole cycle of awareness there. And I feel like we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't touch on your path to this point because I'm like, wait a minute, we haven't even and I'm I know you've you've shared this before so many times, but if you let's make it fun and different. And if it were a movie real you know, if we were to see the the real and the teaser of your life in a, a movie trailer, what would that be, Peter? Can you share back to however as early as you want to go and you don't have to make it fun for yourself. I, I mean, you do have to make it fun for yourself. <laughs> but um, I just think about your path and how you've always been breaking the rules. You know, I, I t- talk about renegade mentality all the time and you... It's in your DNA. Um, it's in all of our DNA, but I think that you've really embraced and allowed it to surface. So can you share a little bit about your path? And you can make it as in-depth or as abbreviated as you'd like. Yeah, so I was I was born in mm. – I'm, I'm going right back. When I was in the womb, actually. No, no but um, I think an important part of my story is that I was <laughs> – I literally can. That's the that's the weird thing about it. But I was born. My family of four. My mum was a single mum in Perth, Western Australia, um, and I, which is why I call your husband Dicky because we have like that Australian thing. <laughs> I we, love that. <laughs> it was a, by it was a surprise in the beginning. I was like, oh, everybody's no one I know refers to you as Dicky except for your Aussie friends. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Be. You're never called your full name. No, no. and it's usually an Sorry. IE. Like, so it's, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. Okay, yeah. I I interrupted there. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking back, my family always was like, you were like, we were all super sporty. We played every sport. That's how a single mum 
raises four children is sport. You, you have that's what you know. It's the greatest gift, and we we were really good at it. Like we were all you know winning awards and playing elite soccer and all that stuff. And actually, strangely enough, road walking, which I don't think many people know about me, but fun fact. But I was always born with like this crazy sense of responsibility that has been like my greatest strength and weakness since day one. And like just this ability to lead that was that's not being cocky, but just like it was so natural that I did it all the time, even when I was super young. And it was even to the point where it was probably gone a little too far. Like I told my pre-primary teacher I wanted to be the prime minister, which is ludicrous because I would never want to be that. But but I would I would be the kind of kid who would be like, hey, guys, I'll do the, the project. Don't worry. Like I'll do the whole thing, which looking back, I'm like, mm, okay, that's borderline narcissistic. Why don't you think they could have done it? But that's, I was just one. I was like, it's all my job. Like it's all my job. I'll do it. Don't worry, everyone. I'll do it. And I was my, – my my siblings called me Lisa Simpson and I just, you know, I was just always that one who, kind of like an overachiever, the one who was making sure all my other siblings did the chores, that one. That's awesome. <laughs> and then um, when my nana died, I I like made a promise to her, I'm going to take care of mum. And my mum was a full-time school teacher and just my absolute hero. And I decided I would retire her when I could. And then I went to university and I became a, a scientist. I did two degrees and published a thesis and was on track to do my PhD and I got a scholarship. So I started my PhD, which was all about the menstrual cycle and appetite and exercise. And And I thought, wow, this is how I'm going to retire my mom is I'm just going to be really good in science and get a great income. And, you know, that's how I do it. But about six months into my PhD, I, I had like just this, this, uh, I, can't, I don't even know how to say it back then because I wasn't aware of what it was back then at all. But it was basically just like a non-negotiable voice that was like, this is not for you anymore. Like you've done six years of science, this is not your path. And it manifested as like as anxiety and like exhaustion in my body. I just couldn't fathom walking to, into the lab and I couldn't fathom going into work on my PhD. Just it, my body was like, uh, listen to me, like this is not you anymore. And so I went into my PhD supervisor's office and was like, I am, I couldn't even explain it because I didn't know any, I just, I didn't, I was 20, I was in my early 20s. So I just, you know, I had no idea. I was scared because I thought I'd be a doctor by the time I was 25. Like I was ticking all the boxes and kicking all the goals according to everyone's, you know, standards of success. But here I was like knowing deep in my body, this isn't for me anymore. And so I told her, my supervisor, I'm super anxious and I can't do it. And she was like, what? Like, you just got your scholarship. This is amazing. Where are and, and I left it, and I just felt the biggest relief, but also the biggest fear and uncertainty ever. As a young woman, just given up my life path that I thought was going to be my forever, and to do what? Literally, had no idea. I had no idea, and that's when I found my first. Well, I went traveling. It was a little bit of a long story, but found my first business in network marketing, and and caught the vision for that specifically for young people who were really over the shoulds and this was back in like 2011 2012 which seems like forever ago now but built a really successful amazing organization of millennials who were you know back then it's all really common lingo now but back then it was all about living your ideal day and you know creating a life for yourself that we weren't taught was okay and so I did that I built an amazing team and I retired my mom in 2015 with my brother and so now she can be nana which is like the greatest dream ever because, you know, back when we were growing up, you know, there was winters we didn't even have hot water and my mum had to boil the stove, you know, so that and pour the boiling water into the bath four times a night so that we would all have a hot bath after soccer. And 
times were tough, really tough financially for my mum. And although she was the most loving, generous, superhuman in the world, I knew that if I changed my money story and situation for my family, then that that was just a deep part of my purpose and something that was important for me to change my little corner of the world. And so I did that and I had an amazing team of millennials. Then I went on to, because I had created um, such financial success, I suppose I went on to invest in things, really just invest back into the community a lot in events, programs, philanthropy, all sorts of things, which were really geared towards mobilizing millennials specifically. And then I did festival style events and, and a lot of it was voluntary for me because I could. All that sort of stuff, got married. And I'm like, I don't know where to jump in. Got married to my husband, Eric, who's American. We have the same situation as you and Dickie, except vice versa. Mm-hmm. I lived in America for four years, which was super challenging for me, actually, and one of my deepest periods of soul growth. Mm. Um, pregnant with soul. And then my mission changed again. And, and then I evolved out of, like, the whole millennial thing and moved on from, you know, talking about the new paradigm for millennials and conscious money and business and all that and moved on to, God, I don't even know. Now I, at events, I speak a lot about motherhood and the intimacy of motherhood. And I speak a lot about the consciousness police and how bullshit so much of the consciousness world is and how judgy and how righteous and how shaming. So I've got like all these different messages that are so right for me. But one of the big ones is is motherhood and releasing this sense of significance and responsibility outside of the home so that we can have the fire and the and the warmth in our home that we are craving as women, mm. particularly as overachieving women. And now I'm living in London. I probably missed out a whole lot there, but yeah. No, it's, <laughs> in that show. <laughs> no it's, so, it's so interesting how, it, depending on where we are in this time and space and just what we, what we dive into more in our past and our stories too, because it's, you're, you're constantly evolving. And what you said, you, you said, my mission changed again. And I think that's, really a a big pillar of what you just shared is your mission has changed and that's normal and that's you didn't try to hold on to the science when grasp onto it so tightly because you had invested all that time in your education I feel like you're you're very not only are you obviously in tune but you're listening you're constantly listening um it's interesting how much from the outside you know, your path might look like these different phases, but that underlying ability to listen and roll with those waves is just like strong, constant. I I remember you saying one time, um, I don't know if I read this or if it was when we spoke before, but it was, um, you ask yourself, does my soul fist bump me when I go to sleep at night? Because I'm the only one that has to sleep with my soul. And that really resonated <laughs> with me because that that is your pillar like you just seem to keep coming back to it and it's looked so differently from the outside I mean you are a rock star at network marketing who would have ever thought you were going to get your PhD (laughs) and now you're you know you're doing something different and it's it's like and that's okay because yeah it's the only way we're we're changing that's the thing and there was a couple other companies in there too which reflected where I was at in my life because we're we are evolving so much and I feel like I changed so much that originally I thought it was flaky I was like why don't I want to do that anymore and that's just me I like to do something with gusto give it everything I can and birth it and then I need to rest and recover and move on to something else and that's how I'm wired and and I personally went through it 
an evolution of being such a masculine achiever and do 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 and just suppressing so many parts of my uh, my femininity and my sensuality and becoming mother to a daughter changed that for me and so therefore my work changed and when I spoke about change what I was going through changed and I created a company which was all about moving to the natural rhythms of life and it was like a beautiful feminine company and and so it just we are just evolving. And then I was like in a really spiritual conscious phase where I just thought my shit didn't stink. And then I came out of that and was super humbled and then started to find a message there in terms of like the humanity and in spirituality and the groundedness of it. And so my personal journey, I was constantly changing. Like, and I feel that our souls, you know, we are here to learn such different things. We're here to experience money differently. We're here to experience people differently. We're here to learn different things that's why we came here like it's like super mario kart we have different or crash bandicoot we have different coins <laughs> to collect and we're here to collect them and and we have to pay attention and i think a lot of the time that's why i get so fiery about the consciousness world which is what this next book's actually about is we're focusing so much on other people's puzzle piece like what do you care about why don't you care about this why aren't you doing this you know that we're not focusing enough on our own puzzle piece and all we can give to the world is our own aligned puzzle piece and because it's hard sometimes to get honest about what that is. Like, what do I really care about? What do I not care about anymore? What excites me? What doesn't excite me anymore? Do I even want to run a company anymore? Do I even want to be an author anymore? Like all these questions that I ask myself every single day because I'm so comfortable in the pivot because it's it's just who I am. But it's scary. Those questions are also scary. And I've been in times where it was scary, like my PhD, and also leaving Australia to move to the US. It was you know, it's scary. And, but I, I don't feel like we have a choice if we want to like do what we came here to do. It's to not decide, but like you said, to listen, to pay attention, like what kind of puzzle piece am I here to contribute to the greater puzzle? And, and I've got to keep my eyes on, on how I'm feeling, what's exciting me, what's not exciting me, what I care about, what I don't care about, what's my biggest work right now. And a lot of the time we think it's what we're doing and creating because we can show people that and we can talk about it on social media. So that's become like our, you know, like our gauge. And so much of our work, our deepest work is so private. You know, the work that I've been doing over the last two years on myself has been deep lineage work, like things my mom went through or my nana went through and her na- her nana went through. Like that's the sort of stuff that's been coming up for me as a mom and that I've been healing and that I've been processing and that's been my deepest work and it's not something I can really – I do talk about it sometimes but not not a lot, you know, because it's so much is private and subtle and and my journey of loving myself, which became urgent when I became a mom. And I wasn't before. I just wasn't. I was achieving things. I was earning great money. I was doing lots for other people, but I wasn't loving myself. And that's the journey I've been on the last two years. But again, it's private and it's subtle. And so a lot of the times we're ignoring the important work that we need to do because we can't talk about it on social media. We can't talk about it with others. It's so private and subtle and thankless. And it shatters our ego because it's not something to get credit for. And it's not something to be, you know, like motherhood. It's like no one will ever know what it's taken for you to move through this time with Lincoln. Like no one, not even Dickie, like no one will ever know. And and that's how I feel with, with being a mum and going healing what I've been healing is no one will ever know, not my husband, not my child, no one will ever know what it takes for us to 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 face our shit and to move through it and to and to somehow keep it together while we are. And that's what I feel is 
our job. This is why I feel like breaks from social media are so important because sometimes we need to not be, we need to not have other people's interference or expectations or projections so that we can know like and actually ask like fuck I don't want to be that anymore I don't want to do that anymore that's not important to me anymore like I'm not there anymore and I think there's no greater work that we're here to do but that and social media I feel is one of the reasons that we we don't do it because there's so much interference and distraction that we can't hear it you know and so I delete the app all the time Mm. If I'm feeling too wound or too caught up, I will just delete the app from my phone and I'll only go back on when I really feel called. Whereas before it was like I felt I felt like I was just in that vortex. It was like a matrix and I had plugs in in my body. And I think having children, you you realize like you get really protective, like, no, get those plugs out of my body. Like I am responsible for this child and my body is responsible for this child and I can't be having all these other plugs plugged into me while I'm giving life to this human, you know. So anyway, that was a bit of a rant. I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, I think it started with the fact that you accept and realize your mission is changing. But I keep going back to, as I'm listening to you, is we have to pay attention. Like it's just that feedback loop that we're constantly getting from the from the universe, the whatever you want to call it, from our soul, from whatever, uh, insert term uh, here, but it is the guide, like it is, and it's no one else. And I think sometimes we replace that. It just clicked with me too. When you mentioned social media, we allow the feedback loop to be Instagram. And it's like, whoa, that's dangerous. And, um, oh, it gives me like full on, I've got chills right now thinking about that because and almost tears because you know this is a world I've played in at its infancy, and I I feel like I sometimes can see this meta view from thirty thousand feet what's going on, and then I'm in it, boots on the ground, participant, and it's in and out, toggling, and and if you look at this over the last twelve, thirteen, fourteen years, how we're behaving as humans, you know, it has nothing to do with technology. It's how we're using it. However, it's a huge mirror and it's an amplifier. And so we have to be pretty cognizant of what we want to be amplified. And it's, yeah, it's amazing how big of a role an app can play in our lives. It's another test for us too. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like money is like, we all, we all have different things to learn about money. We all have different things to learn about something. I feel like social media is one of our modern day tests and we have to get a grip on how we use it. It's not it, you know, it's all well and good to be like, it, you know, it's designed to suck us in and rah, 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 but, but we have to take responsibility for our own life in every way, you know, mm-hmm. our health, our everything. So it's just, we just have to get a grip on it. And I think we've let our nervous systems get so wound up that we are reaching for it and so afraid to be away from it. And that that's our responsibility now to detach from it, unwind our nervous system so that we can have a you know a productive, resourceful relationship with it where we are using it for our own good. And again, not borrowing the blueprint of I have to post every day, what there's this algorithm, or you know, it's just I recently turned my account private and a lot of people were like, Wow, then you're not gonna reach as many people. And I was like, But there's you know, I've never done the buy followers or I don't even understand an algorithm. I don't even really use hashtags because I don't, for me, it's a platform for expression. And not to say I haven't got caught up in the scroll hole or checking notifications. Absolutely. I just got so frustrated with my behavior with it and how I felt with it that I just slowly got a grip, you know, and stopped mm. blaming 
the app and mm-hmm. and realized it just just really deep shit too like fuck my child's she's just turned two and I've got another one coming do I really want like all this information coming at me like can I actually hold that in my body firstly mm-hmm. and is it do I want my child to see and we're really mindful not to be on it around our children but it's just and and I'm all for the occasional guilty scroll like I'm I'm, I mean indulge it's there's some amazing stuff on social media and I think it's an amazing platform especially Instagram it's the only one I use but we just have to get a grip we have to get a grip and we have to stop again and step outside and be like where am I playing by other people's rules or expectations I if I didn't know how it should be done how would I do it? And that's my question for everything. For me, it was turning my account on private, deleting the app in between uses, just making it work for me rather than feeling like I was slotted into this social media vortex and controlled by it, which I think for, like you say, renegades, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're being controlled by something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Got to get a grip, you know, and unwind our nervous system. Because if we're touching our phone without realizing we're touching our phone, it's not an Instagram issue. It's a nervous system issue, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to touch on that radical responsibility like point that you just made of you realize this is me doing this. And I've heard you talk about that before and just your – You've said it. If you are like just outwardly, if you are experiencing any lack of freedom in your life, whether it's your personal or financial freedom or whatever, you need to take radical responsibility, and and that's something that I know you really believe in. Um, there's no one else that can do this, and whether that's you know that's in any aspect of our lives, and you've done that historically and. And obviously here in the present, but if we were to look back in your your time with Isagenix and and just when you were like you just blew it out of the water, financial freedom. I mean, you figured it out. You retired your mom. That's amazing. Do you feel like you've had to shift gears at times from being that driven PETA or that you've just evolved over time? Can, can you have both? Can you have the pay attention side and, and really listening to that feedback loop that your soul's giving you while also being in full on, I'm going to rock, rock this? Yeah, because sometimes yeah. I'm going to rock this is the exact perfect place that you're meant to be. And I think for me, I was like stuck in that. And it wasn't until I began the process, not stuck in that. And I don't even like saying that because I look back and it was perfect for me. Like I needed, Mm -hmm. that was my, that was who I needed to be and how I needed to be to achieve what my soul wanted to achieve and, and to learn what I need to learn. So people always ask me at events and stuff, looking back, would you still have reached like seven figures in your twenties or what mid twenties? I mean, they ask in all sorts of different ways. If you didn't, if you weren't so in your masculine energy and I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm glad I was because it did the job and I learned everything I needed to learn. And I was in my fucking mid twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. how much am I expected to know about life? I was learning. I was making mistakes. I was mm-hmm. just making more mistakes than wins. You know, that's what life's for, especially in your twenties, you know, and thirties and, and forever really until we die. I didn't actually grasp slowing down, but then again, I don't think I actually wanted to until about a few months before I became pregnant with Soul. And that's when my soul and my life, it it started, it just started to, I just felt like I was being helped and slowed down. And I had the desire to, and it didn't happen overnight. Like there was so much nervous system unraveling. There was so much lineage stuff because I came from a single mom. And so I have single mother energy running through my DNA. And so I'm always 
got a big capacity to give and to work. And I'm, I'm a worker, like I've worked since I was 12. So it wasn't easy for me to start slowing down. It just, it took time. But the catalyst again was I'm about to become a mum, and I want more energy firstly for myself, but also I, I want my daughter to, I wanted to heal some of some stuff that I knew I needed to heal so that she didn't need to inherit it. And a lot of that was feeling like all of my worth was in how much I was doing or giving to others or what I was being for others outside of my home. And that was really real for me, like this sense of significance and responsibility outside of my home. Whereas in my, I wasn't allowing myself to enjoy what I'd created as long as everybody else was cool. I wasn't allowing myself to deeply enjoy it. Although the structure was there. I had all the healthy food and the business class flights and everything. So I wanted to heal that. So I had such a deep incentive. I'm not going to have my daughter born without me addressing this, this fear of slowing down that I had or this inability to. And so it was such a, it was just such a process and it took so long. Like even when she was born, it was still a process of feeling worthy. Even if I just tended to my home for a whole year and didn't create one thing outside, I still feel worthy. And that was my work. And funnily enough, I actually published my book, Earth is Hiring, while she was a newborn. So I, you know, and that was the timing. It was perfect. There was lessons there. There was nothing wrong. However, like I was still learning the lessons as I went. Mastitis, it's just, it's just perfect learning the lessons. Mm-hmm. But then what I learned recently is that, that I do have, like right now I'm in quite a creative season. However, I know that September comes as I get ready to wind down for my, the next birth, I'm going to ease off. And so I work in surges, really, really, really intense. And then nobody talks to me <laughs> and they're really, really intense. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not looking at Instagram. And so I feel like there is really aligned, holy times where we are meant to be in action. And, you know, maybe having those, you know, messy, I'm not sleeping kind of moments, whatever. But we just have to be able to listen when it's time for rest and just pay attention as to what what's the real question here? Am I able to slow down or is there work for me to do here? Like, am I am I ignoring something? Am I placing too much of my value in life outside mm-hmm. um, of my home and not taking care of some really hard shit that's knocking at my door? You know. So I think for me, it was it was such a process. It was such an evolution. It was yeah. It just I look back and I'm like, wow. I just I still I still I'm not a single mum, but I still have so much single mum in me that that I still have healing to do there, you know, but I still need to not beat myself up then when I am in a period of go, 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 because I know that that's not forever. And I know that it comes when you're moved so much, let yourself be moved because it doesn't last forever and you will need to rest. But just when it is time to rest, rest. And if you have resistance to that, where's it coming from? Do you feel like you can't rest and you're not worthy of, you know, do you, have you got shit to face like I did? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and I, so I think it's just, you can have both for sure. Some people are more slow and steady all the time. I'm more go, rest, go, rest, go, rest. And that I think we just got to get to know ourselves as well and stop beating ourselves up for our patterns. And also know that particularly for women, we do a lot of the time come from women who weren't able to slow. And, you know, there's so much there. There's so much there. That's a whole other call. But there's so much to pay attention to is what I'm saying. And it's not meant to be scary. We're just meant to take responsibility for it. I keep thinking of the word capacity and not in a negative scarcity standpoint, but also what you what you said about it's like, can I hold space for all of this? Like whether it's on Instagram or it's and there are times where you have 
a lot more room than others, right? I had this aunt who would say, don't let anything rent space in your head for free. It's valuable real estate. That goes for the internal side of things too, of what are you allowing in your own head to rent space? And back to the whole like Instagram thing, do you really have room? for all, you know, for all of that. And can you hold all of this, you know, what you find to be sacred? So it's, I think that's, that's like a theme that I'm hearing. And I just appreciate your level of awareness and um, living and sharing and and being a a real-time kind of teacher. And I don't know if you consider yourself that, but I definitely look to you as someone who I learned just so much from. And uh, I just, I'm excited I'm, because it's like, it's, it's that scary unknown navigating new waters that I feel like you're just always doing it. You're always out there with the sharks. You'd rather be out there than safe, you know, in the sea of sameness, just kind of treading water. So it's, it's fun. Uh, and I appreciate your time, Peta, and taking, you know, we're in different, <laughs> we're, we're in a big, big difference of time zones here. And I appreciate you finding the time. Um, and is there anything else that you would add to the conversation? I want to make sure people know where to follow you and, and all of that too. There's like, there's so much that I won't even begin because we, we can have that conversation another day. I just, I don't know. I think that whoever's listening, they just need to not feel overwhelmed firstly, because I think when I speak, it's, um, I know I'm like, I jump around a lot. That's just, that's just how it works in my head. So it's how it comes out of my mouth. But I think everybody just thinks about what's the one thing that really landed and just pay attention because everybody, you know what I mean? Like because of social media and because of this personal development world, which I'm like really watching right now, because there's so much in it that I feel we need to be aware of, but it can feel like all Everyone around us knows more about what we need than we do. We want the channeler to tell us. And we want the, ve- the Vedic astrologer to tell us. And we want this human design expert to tell us. And we always want everyone else to tell us what we need to do and what we need to pay attention to and where we're at and what's best for us. And we already know. Every time I get on a call with anyone, you know, any one of my, like, I mean, advisors, helpers, spiritual people, whatever, they are always just confirming what I already knew but didn't feel perhaps like I sometimes was powerful enough to admit that I knew you know like Mm. surely I can't be that quick with my knowing surely I can't be that intuitive surely that answer that gives me the most relief isn't actually the right one right like we we don't trust this amazing guidance system that we have and how entitled we are to the relief that we're seeking and it could just be one decision away so I just want everybody to just know that they know they know whether relief is next or whether where, whether they need to rev up and get into action. I don't know whether they need to slow down and turn Instagram off for a little while and or whether they need to stop leading a company. You know, it's big, small, but everybody knows, I think. And it's just, I think if we can just step back and realize that other people outside of us are not, they're not our gurus. Like we, we are. That's what I make such an importance for myself is just that that self-governance and knowing that, yeah, just how clear it can really be if we let it be and if we give mm-hmm. ourselves the space to let it be. But, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, for me right now, I'm just, on Insta- I'm just on Instagram and on my website. I'm not in many places. <laughs> and we'll link to you as well. But it's, I, I love following you on Insta because it's a breath of fresh air. And sometimes you just do disappear for a little while and it's like, oh, I wonder what Pete is off learning and doing and, you know, 
fostering right now. And then it's like, oh, here we are. She's back. <laughs> it's funny, but because at the start of the year, I went off for like two months, but I went off straight after I had a concussion and I posted, oh my God, I got, had, had a concussion. I was knocked out by a tree. And then I just went silent for two months. And when I turned it back on, everyone was like, are you alive? And I was like, shit, that was the worst time to go off. So it's just funny. Sometimes when you have such a like close-knit community, you got to let them know, like, I'm going off. Whereas I was just like, goodbye. And I have a concussion. <laughs> They're Googling you. and so bad. Oh, my God. These people were like, I legitimately didn't know if you were like in a coma or something. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, next time I'm going to – it's just funny. You've got, you've got to watch my timing, I think. Yeah, there you go for sure. Well, I mean, one of the, the key themes, we have to pay attention. Are you paying attention? I took that away from you in this conversation and – are we trusting what we hear too? And actually not just paying attention, but allowing ourselves to receive that and act upon it or at least let it resonate um, and trusting ourselves, like you said. And we just tend to look on the outside and we've got it. We just have to trust that that we can hear and receive and make sense of it ourselves too. Um Thank you for everything you're doing. I can't wait to see this book and get it and read and and just congratulations too on on your next one on the way that and um, we'll be following along. I appreciate it and give my love to Lincoln and to Dickie and it's just so amazing watching you be a mom and everything you've been through. You've been so strong. I've been watching just like wow. I think that's what we don't realize too is like we just do it naturally, right? But you know, it's it's just really inspiring. And I know you've given a lot of mums a lot of strength, but also a lot of perspective too, to just be super grateful, you know, for healthy babies and to just know how we are when we need to be. And we can be that at any time. Like we don't have to wait for such a surprise. You know, we can we can turn it on now if we need to. And so I think you're, you're sharing your journey. It's super valuable for a lot of people. Oh, thank you for sharing that. You're exactly right. I mean, we are so strong and, and it's there. It's all always there and we don't yeah. have to dip into that strength just when you know in super intense times come about but thank you and we'll be following along hey everyone thanks for listening to the show hit me up on social media to let me know what you think i'm at amy joe martin on twitter facebook instagram and linkedin and I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now?